Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, just a quick little trigger warning for this one. We very briefly mention suicidal ideation with Brian mainly in the first season when we're covering that. So just wanted to give you a heads up. We don't go too deep into it, but just thought I should let you know. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are wrapping up our Queers Folk character deep dives with a look at Brian Sex on Legs Kinney played by the amazing Gail Harold. And if you listen to our Justin episode, I mentioned that uh, the creators recently said that Randy Harrison and Gail Harold, this was the first time they'd ever been on camera before in something. And I just want to point that out again, because I think Gail Harold's performance in Queer's Focus is my favorite performance in the show. And I think he's so incredible. And that just makes it even more incredible to me. So I just always want, I just want to point that out again. Uh, but of course, Brian Sex on Legs Kinney, he worked at Vanguard, sorry, as an advertising executive. He then ended up, after he was fired, he started his own ad company called Kinetic, which was run out of an old bathhouse. Um, and then he also ended up buying Babylon in season five. So this should be a fun conversation all three of my panelists, it's just going to be Danelle, Michelle, and I again, because we were supposed to have Ken on. He wasn't able to come on. I know Ken said I have cursed him. <laughs> I don't mean to curse you, Ken. <laughs> but it's true. It happened. <laughs> and Aaron A. Uh, still doesn't have internet. So unfortunately, the two of them couldn't be on. But I'm glad to have Danelle and Michelle back to talk about Brian. We all love Brian Kinney. So if you're one of the few that don't, then you're probably going to be yelling back at us. I'm sure whenever Carla listens to this, she will be yelling back at us <laughs> a lot because you'll know as far as panelists go, Carla is the one panelist that does not like Brian Kinney. She does agree that Gail Harold is incredible, but she does not like this character. But this should be a ton, a ton, a ton of fun. This is one of my all-time favorite characters ever. I will excuse a lot of stuff he does that shouldn't be excused because he does do a lot of shitty crappy things but I still love him and I love talking about him and I love that I get to go on Liberty Diner Dish and take deep dives into him season by season as well so this will be a truncated version of that if you've ever listened to those episodes before so before we dive into Brian Sex on Lakes Kinney yes I do need to still trademark that 
<laughs> I just want to ask my panelists what they're into right now in pop culture. So Danelle, what are you into right now? So what I'm into right now, I've been revisiting um, since the death of Andy Fletcher. I've been revisiting some of my favorite Depeche Mode tracks and kind of uh, reminiscing my youth <laughs> um, with Depeche Mode. So I was very sad about his passing. And um, I've always been a big Depeche Mode fan. So I've been enjoying some some Depeche Mode lately and just kind of getting back into some music I haven't listened to in a while. So that's what I've been into mostly. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, as listeners may know, if you listen to our love Victor, love Simon episode, I did mention that I was very sad. That was a very hard loss for me. Depeche mode means more to me than I can say. I will try to say in November when we talk about them, but they mean a lot to me personally. And that was very heartbreaking. I don't know if I would be alive without their music. I am not joking either. And I know there are a lot of people that feel the same way. So that was a very, very devastating loss. Yes. And Ishelle from Liberty Diner Dish, what are you into right now? I am into music by Oh Wonder. Um, they are not an American band. I forget where they're from, but I think it's across the pond. Um, but I'm into their whole vibe right now. And I'm also into a project that we are getting ready to launch. Maybe by the time this comes out, we will have made it public. I feel like once I put it out there, I can't take it back. So I've been pretty hesitant to do that. But we are doing a new monthly book box subscription thing. More details to come. But I'll just say that the overall theme of it is very on brand for um, like Pride Month. So, yeah. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. So that should be fun. So, yay. And this is Erin. And what I'm into is there's a new Queers Folk, if you didn't know, on Peacock right now. And it is fantastic. Uh, I really, really, what I really appreciate about this new Queers Folk is the amount of representation is amazing. It's not just white people. It's not just the L and the G. It's all of the letters. It's it's incredible. I mean, really, it's amazing. The, the amount of representation and having a trans actor playing a trans character is also really good. Um, I will say that uh, just as a warning and a heads up that the first episode they do have a, it takes place in New Orleans and they have a club that's Club Babylon. And you can see some parallels with certain characters are supposed to be like certain other characters. They do have a Justin type character too. Um, they do have a character that I think is supposed to be like Brian. And so they have certain characters that fit that mold, um, you know, from that are callbacks, I mean, to this season, I mean, to this show. Uh, to this version of Queer as Folk. Um, but I will say it does open up, and if you don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead like a minute. It does open up with a shooting at Babylon. And I know when we're recording this, this is the anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting. So it's very much that. Um, and so I know people have criticized this new one because they feel like it's just dealing with trauma. But I think it's actually really important uh, discussions and they deal a lot with the aftermath. So that happens at the towards the end, kind of middle of the first episode. So just know that they don't show a lot of it. They haven't shown a lot of it so far. So there, I do appreciate that. They haven't even really even focused on the the shooter. So I appreciate that too. But just a warning and a heads up there that it is dealing with some trauma issues there. So yes, but that's on Peacock, and I think it's fantastic. 
And it does not hold back. I was worried with something being on Peacock that it might be a little bit more quote unquote censored. Not even close. So <laughs> I think it even pushes the envelope a little bit further than, than this one did, to be honest. But yeah, I'm not saying I still love this one, but it's nice to see more representation. Okay, so let's get into Brian Sex on Legs Kinney. Yes, I'm going to say that almost every time I say his full name. <laughs> it fits him. Uh, played again by Gail Harold, who this, you know, like I said during our Michael episode, I think Michael was essentially was supposed to be the focal point of this series. And it very clearly became Brian. Um, so that's why I wanted to end with this character, too. And also because I know there's a lot of controversies around this character, too. So we're going to go once again, season by season. So season one, we meet Brian, who is the most confident of all the men that we are following through this whole show. As far as sexually, he uh, does not want any labels. He does not want to be in a relationship. He is all about sex, all about being 100% himself all about embracing that, all about not giving a fuck what anybody else thinks, although deep down he really does. And then, of course, he meets Justin in the very first episode, which we talked a little bit about that in the Justin episode, too. And you can see there's an immediate different kind of attraction there, although he does kind of blow Justin off, too, of course, and he treats Justin like crap on and off throughout the series. But Justin keeps coming back. He also becomes a father in the very first episode to Gus because uh, he helped Mel and Linz with that. So he's dealing with that. And then also stringing Michael, Mikey Novotny. Yes, I get to get it in again. <laughs> along who Michael has, of course, the biggest crush in the world on Brian. And Brian does string him along. Um, and Brian is also dealing with aging, which he deals with a lot throughout the series. And I think Brian's whole character thing is that he thinks his only value is in his looks and his body. And so he's dealing with that. And in my opinion, I think he has low-key suicidal ideation on and off throughout the series. I do not think he is a narcissist like a lot of people do think. So I think he uses his narcissism as a shield or his so-called narcissism. So Danelle, I know you love this character, so I don't have to ask about that. But what are your thoughts about Brian's journey in season one? Brian is, uh, I do love him, as you said, <laughs> and you know that too. Brian is one of the most interesting characters, I think, in this series. Um, I think he is the most insecure out of all of them, but he hides it behind his bravado. And because he is beautiful and everybody wants him, it gives him that ability to kind of hide behind that and not deal with his trauma, not deal with his, his shit. <laughs> and he's got a pile of it, as we know. I think when he meets Justin, he's taken off guard. You know, when he sees him kind of through this, there's that little smoky scene, right, where he sees him. And he kind of at first is like, oh, my next prey, so to speak. But then I think there's this moment when they are back in Brian's apartment, Brian knows that Justin, he realizes how young Justin is and he realizes that this is Justin's first time out there and learning the streets. And I think he, the, there is a vulnerable kind of moment between the two of them. You know, it isn't just like a very quick, naughty, dirty sex scene. It's, there's something else to it, I think, at least in, in the way I interpreted it. And I think 
Brian almost saw it as his duty to kind of usher him in, if you will, into the world and did so in a way that wasn't traumatic. I mean, although he treats it, he is kind of a, he's a big jerk afterwards in the kind of wanting Justin to go away. I think there is this, um, I guess I have a hard time describing it, but I think there's just like this, there's this connection between the two right away that I, I found to be really interesting. And of course, the the craziness of that night and him becoming a father and his insecurity about that. I think he he was fine with it. And then all of a sudden, now that the reality that Gus is here, he's freaked out. Um, and that that moment on the, the rooftop, as you talked about, you know, with the suicidal ideation and when he's on the rooftop with Mikey and they, you know, he stands on the ledge, right? And he's, he's, I don't know, if, I don't know how seriously he was contemplating it, but I think he was afraid that he was going to be like his father, you know, and I think that's kind of a theme throughout season one with, with, with him, his fear of, of not being, or not being able to be a father in the way that he wants to be. He doesn't want to be his father, you know, what he went through. So it is a very interesting introduction. <laughs> you know, there's a lot that happens in those first couple of episodes, quite a bit. So we're kind of jumping right into their lives and who they are, and especially with Brian. And, you know, he's this like, ad exec and he's so mature on this other, on one level, right? He's got the dream apartment. Um, and I still love that apartment, by the way. That is such a cool, the way the layout of that apartment is just fantastic. The set designers, major props for that. <laughs> major props. Because it, it still rings true. Like, I just started rewatching season one. And um, as we just were prepping to do this, and I was like, God, that apartment's still so cool. But just the way, you know, he's got it all. You know, he's got the car, the job, the apartment, everything. He's getting all the great sex all the time. You know, like, he's got it all. But in, in reality, he's still that scared kid. He's still that insecure. And I think we start to see that in season one. But I know people are really harsh on him. He's he is such a jerk in a lot of ways, but to me, Brian will always be the most deep feeling out of all characters. I think Brian feels things deeper than most of the other characters. He just doesn't know how to show it. So, and I'll kind of stick by that. Well, so I'm anxious to hear what you guys have to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I will say my suit, the suicidal ideation, I'm not talking about that scene, by the way, that scene on the rooftop. I, um, I'll get to which one I'm talking about. I'm talking about on his birthday. But yeah, that scene's an interesting scene to talk about too. But Ishelle, what are your thoughts? So I really, I, I like the story that they tell about how they even got Gail to do this part for uh, for this show. And I'm sure people have heard it, so I won't go into it. But basically he, the part that I like the most is when he calls them back and he's like, hey, this is Brian Kinney. <laughs> After he told him like he couldn't work out their schedule, there's all gonna be all these complications about like when he calls him and says that, you know, this is Brian because that's really what he did. I mean, Gail immersed himself into into this role and we are um all the more better for it. And the show is all the more better for it. And so I'll put that at the the very front, like so grateful for this uh, portrayal of this character. And when we meet him at the very beginning, he is super resistant to change. He is uh, super resistant to any type of like commitment or attachment or anything like that. Like that's not the song he wants. And he loves the life that he lives <laughs> for the most part, or at least on the surface on, you know, that is 
he's like, this is my life and I don't need anything else in it. And everything is perfect. But even from the very beginning, we kind of get a hint that he is on the hunt for something new and something different. And then here is this fresh face there on the avenue. So it kind of um, just happens to work out there. So we also get an early introduction to his friendship with Michael. And I I like that element in there. And there are some things that how it plays out later where it's like, eh. But we get an early introduction to that. And so it's good to see that he at least has that <laughs> as uh, something because he's not this total island where he's not totally you know, nobody ever can know me or see me, even though the people who are his friends in the beginning don't truly know him. You know, they know him more than anyone else, but they don't fully know all the sides of him. But so I like that we get to see his connection with Michael and even with Lindsay. And that's like, that's kind of interesting because we also get this baby there (laughs) at the the very beginning. So already you start to see where I'm supposed to feel like he is this enigma that nobody will ever get to know and he doesn't care about anything but you already see all these other little pieces in his life where it's like maybe that's not so true so even from episode one we kind of pick up on some of that and I'm glad that that's there because I think if it weren't from the very beginning I wouldn't really care too much about (laughs) about this character because it would just be that person where they're just intimidating and you're like I don't want to know them because they're just fully into there's too intimidating so I like that we initially get to see maybe there's more. And so in that way, we almost approach it like Justin because that's his impression at the very beginning is like, "Mm, I think there's a little bit, a little bit more here. And I think in those early episodes, he is kind of laying the persona on pretty thick. And at first I thought that was an issue with Gail's performance, but I was like, that might've been on purpose because then after a while he loses some of that. Like he doesn't talk with that. Like, I don't know. There's, I don't know. There's something that he's doing (laughs) with the way that he talks and he, he loses that. And even just some of his mannerisms, he loses some of those. But I think it's as we start to see more of who this person is and not the persona, then maybe it made sense. Maybe that's why they did it that way. And I feel like he's the character that has the most room for growth, but the least perceived need for growth. At least personally, he doesn't feel like he has that much need for growth. But I definitely think that he's the one who has the most room for it in this show. And I also agree with what Danelle was saying that I do think that he is super sensitive probably the most sensitive which is why he is the most armored and the most layered has the you know the tallest walls out of all of them and so to get that from the very beginning and then over the course of the first season those first 22 episodes to see some of that starting to come down and to find out more about who this person is and how they work and I always say that I overlook a lot of things or excuse a lot of things, but I think it's, I try to understand is what it is because sometimes it's just like, no, that was just wrong or that was just bad. But I try to understand why that person is making, why he's making those decisions. And maybe because he is one of my favorites and that's why I work so hard to try to understand him. But yeah, I definitely, from the introduction to definitely up to the the midway point, even then he's starting to see, oh, my life is kind of going in a direction that I didn't think it was going to go in. And for whatever reason, I keep going this direction with it, but I still kind of want to. And so I like to see that internal struggle with him throughout season one. And I actually agree with you about the suicidal ideation stuff in that particular scene that I'll let you speak to that one. But I do agree. And I think that is something that there are hints of it throughout the rest of the series. Um, So, but even that, just this person who you think has everything to have something like that that cloud, you know, that clouds um, 
his thinking at times, that is also a very interesting layer to this very, very, very layered and complex character. Yeah, and I forgot to say at the beginning, we did uh, character polls where we had Brian, Michael, Justin, Emmett, Ted. Um, I had Ben in there and Debbie, and then I had other, and you could comment. And uh, Brian won <laughs> big time. Um, one on Instagram and one on Twitter. Up until yesterday in the last hour, Michael hadn't gotten a single vote. <laughs> and then in the last hour, he got one one little vote for best character. So sorry, Mikey. Uh, <laughs> and coming in second, I would say it's, it was kind of close between Justin and Emmett, but Justin was pretty much the second. But Brian won hands down. So even though there are a lot of issues with this character, it is the power of this character. And and I, and I want to say, I think some of it can be the sex appeal because he is a very, 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 very attractive human being. But I think there's more to it than that. And I, I don't think if someone was just that attractive, at least I would hope not, that wouldn't be the only reason you would like a character that much. Because it's not the only reason I like him because there are a lot of very attractive characters that I end up hating because the character sucks. Um, so I just wanted to say, because I forgot to say it at the beginning. So we're not the only ones who love this character, of course. And, you know, though the writers have said when this first, when the sh show first came out, they would get, you know, like questions like, well, tell us which one of the actors are really gay in real life. And the other big question, the other big thing they would say is that they hated Brian. So that's what's so interesting is when you do these polls and you talk to people how so many people like Brian, yet the writers and the creators were getting a lot of pushback on this character. And I think a lot of that was because he is so unapologetically himself, especially in this first season, and he's in your face. I mean, he is just there and you can't really look away. He's unapologetic about his sexuality. He never hides the fact that that's a lot of what he's about. He never hides the fact that he is does not he's not looking for a relationship. He is looking for sex. At that time, he's looking for that intimacy in that way, but he's not looking to have a deep relationship with someone that he has sex with. To him, his deep relationships are those friendships he has with Michael and Lindsay, especially, but then also on the periphery of that is Ted and Emmett. And Debbie, uh, to me, is the most in one of the most interesting relationships he has because that's like his real mother is Debbie. Uh, so he has those relationships. So I think in his mind, he's like, well, I have that fulfilled. So I don't need to have that other thing because I'll just, I can get off. I can have sex. I am a very attractive man. That's all I'm worth anyway. And a lot of that comes from his childhood, his shitty childhood, his horrible alcoholic parents and his father who was a asshole and a bastard and his mom who clings to her religion and her faith to excuse everything and she hides behind that and we'll get to him coming out to his mom and and when we get to season two but so he's dealt with so much of that and so much hatred from his family and so much coldness all of the kinnies the exception of brian are jerks including his nephew they're all assholes so he's dealing with that and i think he builds such this big, big wall that no one can penetrate until Justin comes along and then Justin sort of does penetrate it. I do think Michael penetrates it to an extent too, because Michael is, even though I think they're 
friendship is extremely toxic and I don't like it. I do think Michael is sort of what keep has kept Brian close to his humanity in a lot of respects. And I think if he hadn't had that, that would be different. I think, and you know, I think it's very diff. It's very interesting because Michael is madly in love with Brian. And I will always argue to this day, Lindsay is madly head over heels in love with Brian. I will always be angry that this show never really explored her by, I think she's at least by, I've always thought that that was my perception of her character a lot, but I really think she's madly in love with Brian. And I think honestly, if Brian were to have somehow reciprocated those feelings, which he never would, but if he had, I think it, I wouldn't have wanted to see it, but I think it would have presented an interesting conundrum for Lindsay because I've just always thought that. So all his really close friends, people that actually get a little bit close to him are madly in love with him. And I think, and I know he loves Michael. I know he loves Lindsay. He just doesn't know how to say, I love you really. He does end up saying it to Michael though. I think people kind of forget that he does express that to Michael, but he doesn't, he's afraid to express that because for Brian, he is only good for what he can give to people. And then once they get what they need from him, they won't need him anymore. So I think he feels if he tells people that he loves them, that puts him in a very, that's a very vulnerable thing to do. And so if that doesn't get returned, reciprocated, no matter how false that thinking might be with the person, then he feels like his world will shatter and he'll be all alone. But with Justin, Justin kind of cracks in a little bit there. I don't know I don't know if, if Justin had, le- had left Brian alone when Brian asked him to, I don't think Brian would have ever pursued Justin. So I think that would have been the end of their relationship. I think the fact that he does come back makes Brian more interested and more curious about this character, about this man. And we talked in the Justin episode how there are problematic elements for sure that have to be acknowledged with that relationship because of that humongous age difference Justin is not an adult. He just is not at that adult that he's not. And Brian very much is an adult. So there is very, very, I love this ship, but there are problematic elements to it that always do need to be acknowledged. And so I do not think Brian would have pursued this at all if Justin had left him alone after their first encounter. Not ex- not saying that he wasn't pursuing him before then, but I think once he had him, that was it. And then with the becoming a father, I mean, it's very much a hands-off thing at first for Brian. And then I think Brian throughout the series ends up feeling closer and closer to Gus and wants more and more involvement. And I think a big reason he was so hands-off and didn't want to have kids probably was a lot to do with his childhood and he didn't want to become his father, like Ishelle said. So there's that. And then with the low-key uh, suicidal ideation, where that comes in is, is during brian's birthday uh he does have the whole scene and he says he's doing as the erotic asphyxiation thing with the scarf and yes that was probably part of it but i think another big part of that for him was brian i think never looks at his life as i am going to grow old i think he looks at his life like he is going to be like James Dean. I think that's the way he views himself. So he is going to live fast and die young and leave, leave a beautiful corpse. And any any inkling, any hint, hint that he's getting older or that 
Um, he, his body is in quote unquote decay in any way, scares the living shit out of him because that's where he finds value. So when he's getting older in that episode, when he has a birthday and then all his friends do the, the, the fake funeral and all of that, it very much taps into this deep, deep seated insecurity that Brian has around who he is as a person. And so I think that's where a lot of that suicidal ideation comes from. And I understand, I do understand why people don't like this character. I want to make that very clear because I excuse a lot that he does that I shouldn't excuse in all honesty, that if this was the re a real life person, I could never have this person in my life. I want to say that I love this character, but he would be so toxic to have as a friend um, because it'd be very hard emotionally because you wouldn't know where you were. But I don't think he's narcissistic. I know a lot of people think he's a narcissist. I think he does present as a narcissist on the outside, but he uses that as a cover to hide behind to, so he doesn't have to hide, so he doesn't have to show his true colors and who he really is. So there's a lot of insecurity in there. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Okay, well, let's move on to season two, Brian. So the big thing when we start out is Brian is dealing with the recovery from Justin's bashing. And a big way that Brian is dealing with this, which is very much Brian, is he is shutting a lot of people out. He's claiming he's not going to go see Justin. Um, he's sleeping with everybody. He's just, you know, basically saying this didn't affect me. When in reality, what he's doing is every night he goes to the hospital and watches Justin basically sleeping and he talks to one of the nurses there. Um, he's also wearing, this is, I think, one of the biggest crucial things, is he is wearing the scarf that he was wearing at prom that still has Justin's blood on it. And he is always wearing that scarf underneath whatever shirt he is wearing. So that's a big thing he's dealing with. He does um, come face to face with Justin again. He never tells Justin, never. Justin still to this day, unless I'm totally forgetting something, does not know that Brian was at the hospital. Nobody knows this except for Jennifer and that nurse at the hospital. So very interesting little thing there too. Uh, but then he does end up taking Justin in. They end up having, you know, a very non-conventional, unconventional relationship. And then, of course, Justin starts rage with Michael and this causes jealousy extreme jealousy in one episode from Brian, even though rage is completely about Brian. And then he ends up coming out to his mom. Uh, so dealing with that. And then also Justin ending up having an affair with Ethan and leaving Brian for Ethan at the end of the season. So there's a lot going on in this one too. So Danelle, what are your overall thoughts on Brian in season two? Yeah, there is so much in season two, I think, especially with Brian. Um, well, you know, at the end of season one with the bashing, well, first I want to go back to season one and say, you know, I kind of feel like when you're watching season one, you start to see Brian's wall crack just a little bit. 
you know, Justin's able to kind of penetrate that a little bit. And I, you know, I think at first Brian just sees him as kind of doing Justin a favor by his sexual introduction into the gay community. And then Justin's able, Justin keeps coming back. Justin keeps coming back. And I think Brian secretly loves that. You know, I think there's a part of Brian that really does love that. And he falls for Justin, you know, and I think we see that in the prom scene. And I, I we talked about that in the, the Justin episode, you know, the, the love there between the two of them at the end of season one. And it is so heartbreaking in season two to see Brian suffer alone and, and be so worried and, and be by his bedside the whole time and alone and not telling anybody and kind of putting on this show of like, the callous jerk that everybody thinks he is but in reality you know like you said he's there every night he's and he's still wearing that scarf and that is such a testament to i think who brian really is and his feelings his true feelings for justin and how traumatized he was by what happened you know and i think justin is a bit of a hero to brian i don't think he ever fully acknowledges it but in season one he mentions he tells justin that he's brave he fly, you know, there's a scene where it's after his um, father, Justin's father, kind of rejects him, right? And there's that whole scene in the apartment, and Brian says, "You are brave, you know, you're the, you're very brave." And I think it's because Brian never really, at that point, has stood up to his own father the way Justin stood up to his, and I think Brian admires him for that. But of course, in Brian fashion, he never truly says that, right? In his own way, I guess he does. Um, but his um, in season two, that whole, it is hard to watch because you just want to strangle Brian sometimes. And like you said, in real life, I think it would play very differently if you had somebody like that in, in real life in your life. It would be hard to deal with somebody like that. But at the same time, watching it on a show, we can understand where Brian's coming from. You know, everything that he's suffered it's not an excuse it doesn't make up for his behavior but it's understood why i get who he is and i think that's why i like his relationship with Lindsay. um and i find it really interesting that you said that you think Lindsay is secretly in love with him i kind of got that too but i never took it to where you did so i'm gonna ponder that because i think that is very interesting i just i love their relationship because i think Lindsay accepts him 100 percent for who he is and I think that's what makes their friendship work. She calls him out on his crap more than anyone, I think. Michael tries to, but I think it's really Lindsay who's kind of a grounding person for him in a lot of ways. And I think she's one of the few people besides Michael who can really get through to him. And of course, then Justin. But So I've always, I always liked their relationship, their friendship, you know, because it's usually Lindsay going over to him and, you know, going to see him and being like, get your crap together and go talk to Justin or go do the, you know, whatever it is that Brian screwed up. She's always getting him to go try and fix. But yeah, maybe her having guests with Brian was her way of, you know, kind of cementing that unrequited love, so to speak. I don't know. That is an interesting thought. So. But yeah, I, I do like their friendship. I think the rage, him, his jealousy over rage was kind of annoying, honestly. That's one of the times that I got really annoyed with him. You know, here he was encouraging Justin this whole time to get kind of back into it. And then all of a sudden he acts like a little kid. I think it's one of the times where his issues really, really come up. And you kind of see 
how screwed up Brian really is. And the whole thing with Ethan, as we kind of talked about with Justin, I think his ability, even as hurt as he was, his ability to kind of just let Justin go at that point and, and kind of do what Justin needed to do. Again, I think it's there. that is a testament to Brian's maturity on some level because he is so much older and it is problematic and it is. But I do think Justin, Justin really pursued him. It wasn't Brian pursuing Justin, you know, and I, I think um, it doesn't necessarily make it okay because Justin was so young, but Justin really knew what he wanted. He wanted Brian and he continually went after that. So whether it's right or wrong, <laughs> that's just, you know, that's how it was. So I, the, the whole thing with Ethan, him letting him go at the end was, was hard to watch, like I said, but it was, it needed to happen. It needed to happen for Justin's growth. And I think for Brian's growth, I think it showed some growth on Brian's part, you know, that he was able to do the right thing for once. But again, Brian's always secretly behind the scenes. Like you said, he's not truly a narcissist. He's been behind the scenes all the time doing these things for all of the friends. Like the, I could list a few things and I'm trying to think of them off the top of my head, but there's so many times throughout the series where Brian's doing things either unre unasked for, uncredited, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he, he kind of keeps things together for a lot of people and he doesn't get the credit for that. You know, everybody just calls him a narcissistic ass and in some ways he is, but the way he helps Teddy, the way he helps Justin, the way he's always there for Michael. And yes, he strings Michael along in some ways. And I think he, his deep insecurity, he gets off on Michael always chasing him. You know, it's that, that need for admiration because he doesn't feel good enough about himself. And like you said, he only feels that he's good. His body is the only worth that he has, his looks. So I think that plays into it with him constantly giving Michael the little bone, so to speak, and kind of pulling him along, um, which is, makes their relationship toxic and, and sad in a lot of ways. Even though they have such a beautiful friendship in some ways, in some ways it is very toxic. So, Ishelle. Um, yeah, so on season two, but I, I have to kind of go back to some season one stuff. So I do think that uh, it was in season one where he did fall in love, I think. So I don't think that he would use those words or don't think that he even recognized it as it was happening. But I do think that that happened in season one is, is how I take that. And so when we see him in season two, it's after having that realization and then immediately Justin is bashed <laughs> at the end of season one. And it's like, this is what happens when I get in relationships. And this is what happens when a person attaches himself to me. It's never anything good. And so, of course, he's dealing with all this guilt at the very beginning. And he is drowning that in copious amounts of alcohol and drugs and a lot of other stuff. He does not have very healthy coping mechanisms. And so that's where we meet him in, in season two. And... The other thing is a lot of people are, they expect Justin to be impacted by this and they expect him to have to recover from all this, but they don't really expect that for Brian. It's like, a, like they were not really aware of how deeply affected he was by witnessing the bashing. And then as we find out more that they didn't even know if Justin was going to survive for a while and he was in a coma and all. And so this whole time, Brian is carrying the guilt of that and he's feeling kind of alone in it um, because he he can't talk to anybody in their friend group because it, 
he feels like this was his fault and they're not going to sympathize with me is kind of what he's feeling. So he is in a very dark and lonely place at the beginning. But I do love that we got to see that he is going to the hospital every night. And then when he's wearing that scarf, which is very much a symbol of his of his guilt. And I love that Justin is the one who removes that from him. I think he's the only one who could take that off because if he would have told everybody else that he felt guilty about it, I'm sure they would have said, Oh no, that wasn't your fault. Like that's all Chris Hobbs's fault, which is true. It's all Chris Hobbs's fault, but to Brian, it was his fault. And so he wouldn't have taken anyone else, anyone else's word for that. Only Justin was the one who could remove that, that scar from him. And then, so he's got this realization and he's kind of in this weird relationship thing. I love their covenant scene. And I love that these showrunners refer to it as a covenant that they make there in the club where they establish their rules. And so he's, he's, and even in that he is choosing to limit himself in a way that he's never limited himself. He's never put any boundaries on how he can enjoy his life and enjoy himself, but he's willing to do that for this relationship. And so he does offer things and, we can this is some later conversation for something when people talk about changing and compromising and how to you know what you what boundaries or rules you put on yourself in order to be in a relationship that's a very 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 complex thing but here he's willing to do that for the sake of this relationship and so he's got all that going on but then it's like oh I'm changing and I don't really know if I like that I'm changing and I don't even if I don't know the worth of the me I've been for almost 30 years I def- or for 30 years I definitely don't know the worth that I have as this new person that I'm changing into and so he's fighting against that and so he's got his own internal struggle going on as Justin has his happening too and that ultimately leads to you know a lot of a lot of turmoil and issues in their in their relationship and so I do think um Something that I want to point out, because of course we know what happens with, with Ethan and all that. We've kind of talked about that. But I do want to point out that we one thing we see him do here that's kind of new for him is that he fights for himself. He doesn't even fight for himself in their friend group when they're trash talking him. He just takes it or he leaves. But in 219, in that great scene, there, there's like no dialogue except for the ghost shower you stink. That's him fighting for himself in that relationship. And then we also see it again at the very end of 220, I believe, when he removes that mask before Justin leaves out. That's one more chance where he's like, okay, let me let you see me. Let me let you see what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling in my eyes. And so this is a very, he doesn't have the words yet. That's something that comes later. He doesn't have the words for it in season two, but he is learning. He's trying to learn how to fight for what he wants. And so we do get to see that's another piece of growth that we get to see for him in season two. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I'm going to be echoing a lot of a couple of those things too, especially the final scene in the uh, season finale and the final shot of of Brian. I am season two. Just you know, I'm going to be saying this a lot during this episode, but Gail Harold is so damn fantastic he does so much he like he does that eye acting that we talk about on here all the time you see everything in the character you see he does these little small little things that if you blink you miss some kind of things but they're so important and you see everything the character is feeling that he doesn't actually say it's an incredible performance And we all know why this was never nominated for an Emmy, but it should have been because 
what Gail Harold does with this character is bring you into his inner conflict and his inner turmoil and the stuff that Brian doesn't verbalize. Brian is actually not a very talkative character. Brian actually doesn't talk a lot. That's the interesting thing. A lot of the stuff Brian does, he doesn't verbalize. And a lot of his growth isn't verbalized as well. And a lot of the stuff he's going through. And yes, the biggest trauma from the event was, of course, inflicted uh, from the bashing was, of course, inflicted on Justin. But Brian was there and Brian harbors a lot of guilt from that because he feels if I hadn't shown up to the prom, none of this would have happened. That's his thinking. And probably a lot of people feel that way. I mean, Jennifer basically flat out says that it's his fault. Later, I think she changes her mind on that, but that is what she says. And that's what he feels. And he has so much guilt over it that the reason he doesn't want Justin to know that he goes there every night is because he feels he doesn't deserve that Brian doesn't deserve that. Brian doesn't Brian doesn't deserve respect. Brian doesn't deserve love being returned because if it wasn't for him, Justin would have never been put in this situation in the first place. It's all his fault. And that's why he carries around the scarf. He's wearing that horror. He's wearing that blood. He's wearing that trauma. So he never forgets that it was his fault in his mind. This is all in his mind, but it was his fault. None of this would have ever happened without him. So he's going to carry this bloody scarf around everywhere he goes. So he never forgets it. Not like he couldn't anyway for, I mean, he wouldn't be able to forget it anyway, but in his mind, that's why he does that. And that's why the scarf is such an important detail in the beginning of season two and especially when justin removes it and when it falls to the ground because that's the last i think brian still always carries around a little bit of guilt but that's the last big piece of that guilt slowly starting to come away and like you said Ishel, it's very important that justin is the one that removes that because justin is telling him you know i don't blame you there's not a single part of me that blames you for what happened you know, I mean, Justin even says, you didn't tell me that you saved me, you know, that you helped save me by calling my name. If you hadn't done that, if I hadn't turned, I probably would have died. And Brian, you know, saying, which is a flat out lie, come on, saying, I guess I didn't remember that. And Justin saying, well, I'm glad that at least one of us did. And this is when Justin gets his memories back. And that is also a pivotal exchange there because Brian can't even admit that he helped save Justin in any way from this. If if Brian hadn't been there, I really don't think Justin would have survived because who knows if Chris Hobbs would have gone after him again. Um, Chris Hobbs definitely wouldn't have called help. Uh, so who knows who would have shown up and seen him. So it is important that Brian was there and Brian does get some acknowledgement for the fact that he did help save Justin. And watching Brian dealing with this and dealing with aftermath and wanting Justin to remember everything so that he's not so alone. I think that's a that's what Brian doesn't say, but I think that's a big part of it too. So he's not dealing with this alone. He doesn't want to push Justin, but he also doesn't want to be the only one carrying this around because the only other person that was there other than Justin is Chris Hobbs and there's no way he's going to bond with that piece of shit. So I think there's that going on too. And then once they, once he finally takes Justin in, I, I want to say, I think the character that calls Brian out more than any other character in this series uh, is Debbie. Debbie can call Brian out better than anybody else. Debbie and Brian scenes are some of my favorite scenes in the whole series. 
and the Debbie scene in this one when Debbie goes to Brian in the bar, and this is after Justin left because Brian can't admit that he wants Justin there for, you know, other than just the fact that Justin was bashed. And Brian doesn't say anything. Once again, Gail Harold's amazing acting. And Debbie just saying, he got under the wire. He got in there. You know, he got in there, whether or not you want to admit it. And, you know, Debbie's saying, you've fallen in love with him. And Brian doesn't even have to say anything. He just does this, letting out this breath like that. And you see like this candlelight, this candle flame flicker a little bit. And that says everything right there. You know that Debbie is correct. And so I like that they also have an unconventional, quote unquote, unconventional relationship because people don't talk about that a lot. Like I mentioned on Justin's episode, not every relationship is just about one, about just two people. You know, sometimes there, you know, sometimes there's, you know, they're also called thruples now. And there's a lot of different ways that people have relationships. Um, and so I liked that they set those out and that Brian, really, this is another form of Brian showing a little bit of vulnerability of being like, okay, I will adhere to some rules. I'll come home at a certain hour. I won't kiss anyone on the mouth except for you. And I, we won't sleep with the same people. And so then to have Justin be the one, it's always interesting to me because Justin is always sort of the one who breaks these kind of rules. Like in season two, we didn't talk about this in the Justin episode, but Justin is also the one who kisses somebody first, that one guy that he meets at the college party. Um, Justin is the one that, you know, ends up cheating because he is cheating because he's not doing the, he's not following their, their set out, their covenants as, as Ishel said that the, the creators put it, the writers put it. He's not, sticking to those he's cheating this is cheating with ethan and brian's whole dealing with that is yes he is okay with it in the i mean not okay with it but he it does understand it but he's still angry and hurt and yes in the bowling episodes <laughs> I was referred to it, but in that episode when he does when they are on the floor and then when he does say you know take a shower you stink that's powerful because he isn't outright saying, I know you're cheating on me, but he is saying that he's not using those same words. And it really, it's like a blow to Justin. Um, and I really, really like that scene. I don't like that it's happening in the relationship, but I like that scene a lot because it is, like he said, Ishel Bryan sticking up for himself a lot there with, uh, I'll get to the last scene in a second here because I skipped over the jealousy over the rage. This is the worst thing Brian does in this whole entire series. When he pees on their artwork, that is so, so shitty. That is beyond shitty. To actually do that is so crappy and it really shows his deep insecurities, yes, but there's no excuse for that, for literally pissing on someone's artwork. And what I also appreciate about that, and we didn't really say this in the Justin episode, but I appreciate that Justin doesn't take this, taking this crap. Michael excuses some of that, but Justin doesn't. And then once again, you have a great scene with Debbie there too, who Debbie's like, hey, hey, look, this rage is you. <laughs> They're doing this for you. And Debbie's saying, and Debbie also saying, you know, I'm not going to kick you when you're down, you know, <laughs> and all of that. But, um, but yeah, that was completely crappy. One of the things I... But, can never forgive Brian for doing that. I think that was the worst thing Brian has ever done in the show, honestly, because it was just so callous. Um, and then coming out to his mom, once again, his mom is a piece of crap and she comes up later on down the line, but she is so horrible and hiding behind her religion and her faith. And of course, Brian ends up, you know, hooking up with her 
priest at a bath and bathhouse and doesn't end up telling his mom. And I, I want to say, I think that is an amazing, amazing, amazing act of love from Brian, honestly, because he could have devastated his mom, destroyed his mom's world. And granted, I wouldn't have been upset with him if he would have done that, but he could have devastated not only his mom's world, but, but the priest world, which, which that would have been horrible because no one should ever out someone. But I think it shows a tremendous amount of, I don't know, love and um, respect that his mom doesn't deserve. But for him to do that is pretty amazing. And I don't think Brian gets any credit for that. But that's pretty, pretty remarkable to do that. And then the final scene when he's throwing the rage party and then he watches Justin leave and he takes off the mask and... Oh my God, the acting there. There's not a word uttered at all. And you see this tiny little smile on Brian's face, this little look of hope, you know, look, I'm taking my mask off. I will open up to you. Please just stay. And you even see little tears in his eyes. It's incredible. It's like just a brief, brief second there, but everything is said. And then when Justin leaves and then Brian putting the mask back on, is heartbreaking because it's like, okay, he opened up and then he just instantly shuts it down. And it's just an incredible piece of acting. And I will always be pissed that Gail Harold was never recognized for his performance in this because that's incredible acting right there because he had no dialogue and said everything there. So yeah, amazing, amazing. Okay, so we're going to move on to season three. And of course, in this season, this season opens with Brian dealing with the aftermath of the breakup with Justin. He, um, you know, has hired some tricks that look like Justin that are supposed to look like Justin. Um, and then he also gets into the fight with Michael, which we covered a little bit on the Michael episode where he ends up punching Michael, which was deserved. Um, after Michael basically says should have should have died, you should have just left him there horrible, awful. I know, didn't mean it, but still horrible. Uh, so he's dealing with that. And then of course, meanwhile, over at the advertising firm, the advertising firm is helping to create ads for horrible Stockwell who is running and who is a homophobic asshole. And so Michael is dealing with that. Everybody's like, why are you doing this? And this is stuff that Michael does a lot through advertising. And so he's dealing with that. And then he, and then Justin leaves Ethan and then he ends up taking Justin back later and then ends up working with Justin to take Stockwell down. He ends up getting fired. He ends up basically using all of his money to create the ads because this was also at the time when they found the body in the dumpster and all of that stuff. So he was dealing with that. He ends up losing everything. He gives Michael his car to run off with Hunter, not run off with that sounded wrong, but to um, leave with Hunter and yeah. And he's, you know, the final scene in, in season three. So Danelle, what are your overall thoughts on Brian in season three? Oh boy, season three. Um, <laughs> so the whole, um, starting with the breakup, um, you know, like you said, that last scene is truly tragic um, in season two, going into season three. And I, again, I think we keep coming back to Gail's performance, but it is phenomenal and he should have been recognized. So I will definitely die on that hill for sure. Um, he gave a tremendous performance and, you know, seeing a 
again, just how much he truly loves Justin, but doesn't know how to express it. You know, like that's the thing. Brian, I, Brian loves each and every one of his friends deeply, but he's just not the type that's going to go say, Hey, I love you, man. You know, like that's just not who he is. He's going to show it in other ways. And the way he does that is usually buying things or, you know, really showing up when it counts, you know, and he does that multiple times. But the it, you see his heartbreak and him acting out in very unhealthy ways with the hiring of the 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 tricks who look like Justin and him going through all of that, um, and even taking it out on Michael, you know, and how awful he is with Michael, even though Michael deserves it, like you said. Um, their their fight is is awful to watch because they are such good friends, and it's it's sad. But I think it's something that Brian needed to go through for growth, right? I mean. The minute Justin comes into his life, he's forced to kind of grow as a person. You know, I think that that relationship truly cracks his walls and brings starts bringing some light into all of the trauma that he goes through. And something we don't talk about, we talk about Justin's trauma with the bashing, but we don't talk about what Brian, Brian went through the same thing. Yes, he wasn't the one, he wasn't the one who got attacked, but he went through it as well. And, you know, they don't, there's not a lot of talk about that. Um, you know, and like you, I think you mentioned, you know, the scarf and, and what that represented. And I think when Justin removed that, I think it was that acknowledgement. It was that moment of, you know, he went through the same trauma basically, and he had to remember it. Justin didn't at the time, um, even though Justin was physically recovering, um, and until he got those memories back, it was Brian who remembered. He saw the whole thing. He was there. I think there's a lot there. And then with the Stockwell thing, again, I think it speaks to truly underneath his bravado and his ego and all the craziness of the the things that Brian does. Um, I think it speaks to who he truly is at heart and the way he's willing to give up almost everything to do the right thing, to help his friends, to help the people that he truly loves and cares about. I mean, he literally gives Michael his car, like you said, to get Hunter out of there. He loses everything. He spends all of his money, you know, because he's pissed off about what happened. You know, it's not just about supporting Justin, but it's also, you know, I think there's there's a few moments in earlier seasons where you see him, you know, kind of unabashedly, I think that's why he's unabashedly who he is, because he has his anger for all of the homophobia against the community, you know? Um, like when he's sitting there and talking with Justin's parents, and as soon as Justin's dad starts laying down the rules for him to be there, he's like, oh, hell no, we're out of here, mm -hmm. you know? And all he, he gets up and he's like, are you coming, Justin? Like, I'm, yeah, you don't have to put up with this. I'm not going to let you put up with this. So I think his ability and willingness to give everything to stand up is a better testament of who he really is, even though his behavior is pretty abominable sometimes. So we still, you know, I still love the character. Like you said, there's so much complexity there, and, and a lot of it is great writing, and a lot of it is amazing acting by Gail Harold. And Ishelle. Yeah, so season three is, um, again, he's not at his best <laughs> Yeah, almost similar to season two. He's not at his best right here because uh again he's having to cope with stuff and we know how he we know how he does that. Uh and not in the best way is the answer there. And 
I love that we got to see, even though it is like heartbreaking to see it. I I love when he goes and gets the Justin lookalike. I don't love that, but I love when it shows us like how deeply affected he was by this. Because if you're just looking at this character on the surface and, and definitely for the people who feel like he is a narcissist, which you can have that opinion, that's fine. But seeing that, no, he really is affected by this and he really did not want that to happen, but he allowed it. He, he kind of stood out of the way and let Justin make his own choices. And that's how they ended up where they ended up. But just to be able to see how deeply affected he was in these weird ways, not where he's sitting at the bar talking to Michael saying, Oh, I'm Justin. But in these ways that are very true for Brian's character, we, we got to see that. And so of course, like I said on the Justin episode, 308 is one of my all time favorite episodes of this whole, of this whole series. But I do love that he, I talked about this on the Justin episode, but he kind of tested him and he made him prove it. And he kind of made him pursue him again with that. And, um, and I felt like that was true, uh, you know, the better way to do their reunion is instead of having them just automatically get back together and it be this easy thing. But I am glad that we got it done in one episode. <laughs> but from there, when we see him in 309, like there is so much joy on his face that they are back together and back in this place, back in Babylon together. And he's so happy to have picked that part of his life back up, I think. Something that happens before that is that shift that he does have with Michael where he does punch him because, yeah, it is deserved. But that was the first time that they've ever gotten into it where he sided with some, in Michael's mind, Brian has sided with someone else and not with him. And so that was a pretty significant shift in their in their friendship. Um, but then as we go on through the season and we pick up Stockwell and we go on that whole journey, I think we see that Brian has either changed or he can just no longer hide this other part of him. <laughs> so, and you can choose which camp you fall into on that. But his thing was, I'm just doing this to get the donors. I need their money and their support to get to New York. Cause that's my ultimate goal. And for a while that kind of worked. But then when he got back in this relationship and he started, started seeing what Justin was doing to fight this person who would have been an awful, whatever Senator, whatever mayor, whatever his position was, he'd have been awful in it. But he sees the work that Justin is doing there. And he's like, you know, I can't be okay with that because he's not okay with that. And I can't be okay with that. And so it just motivates this other thing, this other thing in Brian. And then, of course, we see him have a change of heart with the whole deal. Um, And then he loses his job and then proceeds to lose everything. And then Justin tells him, well, not everything. (laughs) And I love that scene with him because the look on Brian's face is he realizes that yeah, I lost all these material things and these things that previously defined my life and I found all my worth and value in. But I have this one person who looks at me and thinks that I'm the hero in this situation. Like I'm not the loser in this situation. And having that means more to me than all that other stuff. And so he looks truly content probably for the first time to me in in that, in that scene. So I love the way that we end season three with Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I won't add too much with the fight with Michael. Just, just once again, Michael deserved it. And um, I know I mentioned this on the Michael episode, but I will always be angry that nobody stuck up for Brian. They all took Michael's side. What Michael said was awful and horrible. And I know during our Michael episode, I know Michelle had pointed out, you know, Brian kept saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. And he was not listening. And, you know, I'm not saying violence is the answer, but it was kind of the answer 
that moment. I'm sorry, it just was. And then with dealing with not having Justin around, you know, Brian will not say that that's hard for him, but he does it in other ways with having, you know, the trick that looks like Justin and little comments that he says to Justin too every once in a while. And, you know, and, and sticking up for Justin, I think is also a, a big way of showing that he still very much cares for Justin and that did not stop. And yes, I, once again, 308 is an amazing episode. Uh, watching Brian in that, some of the lines he has are just incredible. Like when they're at Babylon and Justin's trying to get <laughs> Brian to dance with him. She's like, oh, I just, I love this song. Don't you love this song? And just the look on Brian's face and I'm saying, it feels, it fills the void. And <laughs> it's just like, I'm not falling for this. I'm not, I'm going to, you're going to have to work harder. I'm not going to just take you back right away. And I think that's a lot of what that was. And I love that so, so much. And then when they kiss the, when they kiss in the office, when Justin kisses him and takes control and Brian is basically saying, you know, come on, just fight a little bit more, fight a little bit harder. And then he fights a little bit harder. And the look on Brian's face after Justin kisses him and leaves and you're like, yep, he's got him. And then they're seen in Brian's office. And when the way Brian delivers the line, the way that Gail Harold says that line really, and um, you know, you're never to play violin music in my presence again. And his voice cracks a little bit. Once again, a little bit of vulnerability there. Season one, Brian never would have done that. Even season two, Brian probably wouldn't have done that. So that again, shows some character growth there where he's letting down that wall a little bit more, letting Justin in a little bit more. And like, yes, I will take you back, but you are never to do this to me again. And showing Justin, yes, this hurt me. You hurt me. So you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to hurt me again. And it's really beautiful. Instead of saying you hurt me outright, using those words, I think is more powerful than if he had actually said that. And, you know, he honestly, you know, I, a lot of criticism of Brian is that Brian doesn't do a lot of things until people push him to do things. And I agree and disagree with that. I think there are some things that he does take some pushing to do, but I think underneath it all, Brian will be the first to help a lot of people. And I know Danelle has mentioned that and we've talked about that. I do think with the Stockwell thing, I honestly think the reason Brian initially does this and kind of backs Justin and helps Justin is because of Justin. I do think that's where a lot of that is coming from. I think if they had not gotten back together, I don't know if he would have done that. I think it's really because Justin is a really good influence on him when it comes to that. And he's like, wait, I have told Justin to be the best homosexual he can be. I got to also personify that myself. And me representing Stockwell is not doing that. So if I work behind the scenes and get risk everything, because the other thing about Brian is Brian is really wants that money and wants that. And he doesn't want that money because he's necessarily materialistic. I mean, there is a, that side of him, but there's a big part of it. And I know the very first Careers Folk episode we ever did, um, a couple of my other panelists on there mentioned this, that a, a lot of the reason he's doing that is a big middle finger to straight society. Honestly, it's, it's a big, like, look, I can be very successful. I don't need any of your help and screw you. I can be a successful gay man, a successful out and proud gay man, and fuck you if you're not going to accept it and fuck you to the heterosexual, heteronormative world. And I think 
for him to be risking losing all of that is a big flipping deal. It's a huge deal for him to do that because that's his security. He doesn't have a biological family to fall back on. He has himself. And yes, he has friends. I'm not saying he doesn't, he doesn't have, he has a family, but he doesn't have anything to back to fall back on. And so for him to risk it all like that is humongous. Yeah. Aaron, can I add a little something yeah. to what you were saying there? For also for him, money is freedom. He yeah, says that exactly. to to Justin. Like, if you have money, you control your own narrative, and they can't tell you what you can and can't do. So he also sees it as freedom too. Like, yeah, he wants the status and the nice, the Armani's or whatever, but he sees that as freedom. And so again, he is sacrificing a little bit of that. Like, I realize that I might have to, you know, mm-hmm. lose a little bit of that. So it is a very big deal that he is willing to make this sacrifice yes except for his bed (laughs) (laughs) right the bed's not going anywhere (laughs) but no it it is it is and the final shot of this season when he's standing there and they're celebrating because stockwell was defeated and didn't win and you know the way he's looking at justin And that look in his eyes is that is the most loving look we have seen from Brian yet. That is really incredible. And I think it kind of scares Justin in a tiny, tiny tidbit of a way. I'm not saying he would run from it, but I think it's kind of like, whoa, whoa. Because it's just this look of like, you know, they have this playful little sexual banter, but there's more there. And it's this complete look of pure love it's very beautiful and very sexy and i really just love the way that ends too because it's just it's uh yeah it's just heart eyes completely (laughs) from ryan i mean that's like the most heart eyes we've seen so far from ryan i think it's really really beautiful Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so let's move on to season four. Uh, But in season four, there's a lot going on. Once again, this is my favorite season. But Brian ends up starting his own advertising business, Kinetic. And who names that but Justin? Uh, And it's, of course, an old bathhouse, which, you know, is perfect for Justin. I mean, for Justin, for Brian. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, sadly, Vic passes and Brian um, angers Debbie by saying, well, you know, Vic, you know, would have been happy. He at least got to live the life he did and said in a way that is very, um, that is very Brian. So not necessarily said with tact, although he really was right with what he said, but it wasn't said with the best tact. And then the cancer diagnosis, of course, is the biggest, biggest, biggest storyline in season four for Brian and is dealing with that and pushing Justin away and pushing Michael away, pushing everybody away and kind of dealing 
on it on the low down kind of thing, not telling a lot of people. And then the Liberty ride, which he ends up joining because a lot of people say he can't do it. He's still sick. He's still fighting and him crossing the finish line with Michael. Okay. So Danelle, what are your overall thoughts on Brian in season four? Going into season four, the growth with Brian is pretty incredible, you know, from season one to season four. And I think, you know, you mentioned, um, his relationship with Debbie and I talked about how I felt like Lindsay and Michael were and and were two of the people who can kind of get to him the most um, besides Justin but I think his relationship with Debbie is even more solidified in season three and going into season four because she really does call him out on things and the respect he has for her which is something I kind of love their relationship because as crappy as Brian can be sometimes in his behavior, he respects his elders. He really, truly does. You see it the way he treats Vic. You see the way um, he respects Debbie. You know, like he always has a quick remark to everybody else when they try to kind of get him to to do the right thing if or or end up to his behavior. But he doesn't talk back to Debbie. I, I don't remember really remember him talking back to her in a harsh way. Because I think he, she's one of the few people, the mother role in his life that's shown him true love. Even though she frustr- she's frustrated with him and his relationship with Michael, she truly loves him. She truly sees all of his, Michael's friends as, as her sons. And she embraces Brian, you know, um, flaws and all. And I think she um, is able to, to call him out on that. And I think he respects that, you know, and he listens to her. Um, and of course the, the Stockwell thing and him losing everything and then going into trying to rebuild and starting his own business and, and being successful at that, you know, Brian's good at that. He's rebuilt himself. He's pulled, he literally raised himself, right? Basically from what we know and the fact that he's had to do that, um, he's able to come back and, and build his own business and be successful again. But with the cancer scare, you know, nobody's going to tell Brian what he can and cannot do. <laughs> and I, I, I do love that about him. Um, he is, he is so great about just not being, he doesn't apologize for who he is and he's going to do what he wants. And I think that's an admirable quality <laughs> about him. I think, um, as I talked about with his respect for his elders and his respect for Vic, I think he, he took Vic's death hard. Um, and again, I think he just feels things on a deep level and you know how he was really there for for dub um and and for michael um and again you know he shows up for the community he he complains about it all the time right like he's not that person he's not gonna go to the center and all of his whining and complaining but he really does show up and show out for those those organizations when he's needed to so and then of course the liberty ride you know you just see him fight for it you see him fight um, to, you know, he's obviously his ego, um, he's got to prove everybody wrong. So he's got to do it. And Ishel. So I love season four, Brian. <laughs> I love all the Brian's, but I definitely love season four, Brian, because in a lot of ways, this is the hardest season on him. And he is being squeezed really, 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 really tightly in this one. And so I love all that comes out of him because of that. And just how much it makes him grow. It gives him a lot of room to grow. And this character has to kind of rise rise to that. 
Erin, I do agree with something that you said earlier, because in 401, I love that it, we get Chandelier and she's performing these great numbers. And the number that she performs where we get to Brian and Justin is what I did for love. And so that makes it very clear. That is what changed his mind. That's why he had the whole flip on the Stockwell thing. It is definitely because of that relationship that he's in with Justin. And that's what I, you know, I, okay, already put me and Ken, you're not going to curse him next year. Already put us on the thing for next year when you're covering these episodes, because I want to talk more about, about Lindsay and about Debbie and about all those other people, because I do like Brian's relationships with them, but you know, they all earlier, or I think on this episode, some, we talked about how Michael and Lindsay, how they love him and how they see him and how Lindsay accepts him. They do, but she also, but she also has kind of a narrower view of who he is and she doesn't fully let him be complete because in her mind, he needs to be Peter Pan for her to be Wendy. And then even though she's growing up out of that, it's a way for her to stay connected to that, to still see him as Peter Pan in a lot of ways. And also her kind of (laughs) unrequited love stuff there. So that's a, it's a complicated thing. And then with Michael, I think for a long time, he doesn't really see Brian as Brian either. But, um, and Debbie does call him out on things and I love their relationship too. So put me on the Debbie one also, (laughs) but I really think that it is Justin who really, who gets the rawest version of, of Brian. And sometimes that is (laughs) not a good thing, you know, but I really feel like he is the one who has the best image of who Brian maybe really is. I think even Brian doesn't fully know because he suppressed so many parts of himself for so long because those were the vulnerable parts. Those were the parts that could get hurt, that could be rejected or abandoned. And he's pushed all those down. But because Justin got under the wire, because he got through those walls, he gets to see a a lot of that. Um, So it makes sense that that relationship that he has with Justin, it does challenge him and it does require him to kind of, step up a lot of times and throw off a lot of that persona, you know, the stud of Liberty Avenue persona sometimes. And I love that he gets kinetic. I love that Justin names it. I like that that's kind of their theme that Justin is naming all Brian's stuff. Um, and I agree the thing with Vic and the, and the timing of Brian getting his potential cancer thing is, um, you know, he is responding to that as Brian, but also as a Brian who has received like, oh, now I could die too. And like you were saying earlier, Aaron, he's very much had that James Dean, I'm going to um, live fast, die young. He's very much had that. But um, he now is like, oh, but that could actually come true. And so now it's like, I've always had this motto, but it's one thing to actually like be possibly going to live that out, especially when life has changed so much for him since season one when we met him and and so we see him kind of grapple with that and I love that episode where he's going to go to Ibiza we see him having all these conversations with these people in his life with with Michael and with Lindsay and Gus and then with Justin there at the office and in those I felt like there was a part of him that was kind of doing a Brian Kenny version of a goodbye like what's that the is it the Irish exit that might be offensive. I don't know <laughs> what do they call it when a person like is at a party and then they just leave without saying goodbye. Oh, to well, there's the Midwestern goodbye where they just where they just keep 
saying goodbye, 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 goodbye. No, no, not <laughs> that they're one. just dragging no, no, it out. They don't say like. Yeah, not that one. The opposite of that one where they just, you don't see them anymore. <laughs> I don't know, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look it up in a, in a minute. But anyway, I feel like that was his way of doing that in a way, you know, and he, he didn't plan it. It was like these organic conversations just kind of happened, but he already knew what was going on with him. And at that, he wasn't really planning to do anything about it. So um, anyway, it was just very interesting to watch him on that journey as he's trying to decide, do I still think the way that I've always thought where I'm just going to live for today, no matter what happens, go out in a blaze of glory, or do I like these things in my life? And do I want to do my part to keep these things in my life? And so that was a very interesting journey for him in this season. But I think the reason that he pushes everyone away, even after he decides to go ahead and do the treatment is because he, all, he feels like a burden in this. And he doesn't think that anybody deserves that. He doesn't think that anybody deserves to have to take care of him. And of course, the whole thing where he watched his parents be together out of obligation, some sense of obligation. And he doesn't want that. He doesn't, that would be the worst thing. He'd rather you hate him than be there with him because of this obligation. So of course he pushes everyone away. He doesn't necessarily, Michael, he just doesn't want him babying him. He doesn't want him his help. But Justin, he straight up pushes him away. And that's because that's a different kind of love. And that's a different kind of, his thing is, I don't want Justin to see me in this weakened way. And I don't want him to not look at me the way he's always looked at me. Anyway, yeah, just everything about that whole journey and seeing all that turmoil that he's going through. And then to see it all culminate in the Liberty ride where he's like, I have to do this. And crossing that finish line is for him. I like that Michael is there as his friend beside him because that relationship's got some issues. Yes, it does. <laughs> but they, they usually always come back to each other in some way. Um, and so I like that Michael is riding with him. But what I really love about that is Justin is his motivation to, to get through that race when he's feeling like, what are you doing? What point are you trying to prove? Like, this is stupid. When he's feeling doubting himself, it's Justin who motivates him. And just the memory, just the thought of this sunshine in his life is what motivates him to keep going. And uh, I just thought that was a beautiful way to show the impact, the continued impact of, of that relationship in his life. Yeah. This is my favorite Brian season four, Brian. I love season four, Brian. Uh, he goes through a lot, but I love this season period. And it's my favorite Brian uh, with starting his own business. I was so happy that he started his own business. I think it's completely natural that he would start his own business. And yes, he's doing out of, out of necessity, but at the same time, he's not because he could have found another job at another advertising agency, but him being able to do that and being in charge and being successful and it takes a little bit, but being successful is amazing. I love that. And, um, I, I love that it's in an old bathhouse cause it's so perfect. I love that Jennifer helps him find this place. And I, I, you know, I, I like watching Brian and Jennifer's relationship evolve through the seasons and how Jennifer comes to really love Brian and actually likes Brian for her son too. So I like that a lot for, for dealing with Vic's death and, and, and then his own cancer, um, diagnosis. What what Brian says to Deb, you know, right after Vic died, is very true that Vic would have been like, yes, yes, I'm glad I got these years in that I didn't think I was going to get. But 
Brian doesn't say it in the most tactful way. And so I totally understand why Debbie pushes. Debbie's like, get out of my house. You're an asshole. It doesn't want anything to do with him for a long time. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I actually think that makes sense. And um, the one thing, you know, that I, that I struggle sometimes in this season, just because it's cheesy the way it's done, but I understand why they did it is Vic being there and it being like they're like in a comic book with the scenes when Vic is around Brian during his diagnosis. It's hard because sometimes I kind of cringe at those. I will be honest. I still love this season the most, but I don't know why. It just makes me cringe a little bit. I understand why they did it. It fits with the whole rage and comic book aesthetic. I understand that. It's just for some reason just always makes me cringe a tad. So I apologize. But yeah. But I am glad that Vic was there a little bit more because honestly you don't see a lot of interaction in the series before then between Brian and Vic. There's very little to any interaction with them. You don't really know their relationship. You don't get the sense that they even necessarily even like have a relationship. And so I thought that was interesting to put that in there and to kindly and to finally, excuse me, have them interacting together. I thought was really interesting um, and then with him pushing, especially Justin away, uh, just a couple of scenes I'm going to talk about, but Brian make, and also Brian making the very, very, very conscious decision to go and fight for survival is huge. That is a big decision. And I know on Liberty Diner Dish, I talked about this when we talked about Brian 4.0 um, and how, you know, I think Brian in season one, season two, would not have done that. Brian would have gone to Ibiza. And the first time I ever watched this show, I actually thought that's what was really going to happen. And I'm like, he's just going to give up and die. He's just going to be like, no. And then last minute, maybe something will happen. And I love that he chooses to fight for his life. He chooses that his life, he decides that his life is worth it. And granted, he pushes everybody away. doesn't tell a lot of people and slowly ends up telling people he still makes a huge choice there, a huge decision to live. And that is so important for this character. Um, and so I love that. And then the scene when he comes back and he drives Justin to school and uh, they have that whole scene where they, you know, Justin's like, how much did you miss me? And kisses him and they kiss and kiss, you know, until there's that really big passionate kiss. And then Justin leaves walking to this college campus. And this is the first time we see Brian take his sunglasses off. And he's watching Justin walk away. And there is, once again, <laughs> Gail Harrell's performance. Not a single word uttered. And you see everything there. There's all this fear that he's going to lose Justin This because he's going to die. That's his fear right there. All this love, all this sorrow, all this like fear that Justin will leave him if he sees Justin battling this and that just, and Justin seeing Brian battle this cancer diagnosis. If he sees that Brian isn't quote unquote perfect, which Justin knows Brian isn't perfect, but seeing that and all that fear and it's just this brief moment and it's an amazing scene and so well done and so well shot and so well acted. And you see so much fear and pain there. And then, of course, I mentioned this in Justin episode, but I'm going to mention it again. My all-time favorite Brian and Justin scene is in 409, where Justin is like, no, I'm going to take care of you. 
and, you know, was pushing against him and saying, you know, of course I know you're an asshole. Of course I know you're not perfect. Of course I know all this stuff. And maybe I should have left, but I'm not going to. I'm your partner. And it, that was such an important scene for Brian at that moment in time. And it also shows his growth because Brian would not have stood there and listened to this in season one, season two, even, maybe even season three. But he would not have stood there and listened to Justin telling him, no, you son of a bitch, I'm going to take care of you. I don't care what you're going to say. I'm going to take care of you. And watching Brian take that in and then relent and be like, okay, maybe you really do love me. And then allow himself that moment of being taken care of and allow himself to be so that vulnerable that he will let Justin take care of him is big because that's not something Brian will do. You know, I mean, there's another scene. Um, I, this is way back, but this just popped in my head where, and it was, and I remember when it came out, it was a huge controversy where, and this is more going to sex and sexual intimacy with these two characters, but there is the scene where, you know, Brian is usually the top and, you know, Justin is the bottom. And there is the scene where that switches. And I know when this show first aired, when that first happened, there were a lot of gay men that were very angry about this scene because that is a big deal. But the reason I'm pointing that out is it kind of, to me, is a callback to this where that's another moment. You get these little moments from Brian where he's being vulnerable with Justin only. And this where he's finally goes up, lays in the bed and lets Justin take care of him and lets Justin bring him the chicken noodle soup is shows growth, so much growth there and so much vulnerability and so much love and care and so much trust on Brian's part. He trusts Justin in that moment to actually not leave him. And it's just a great, great scene. Love that scene. Best scene that those characters ever have. <laughs> Even better than the I love you scene. <laughs> In my opinion. Um, I just think it's, it's great. It's a great scene. And then the Liberty ride, you know, everybody's baby and Brian. Everybody is baby. And Brian does not like to be baby. This is not a character that wants this. And that's part of the reason I think he first does this is to be like, F you, man, I'm going to do this. But then a bigger part of it, and he has that discussion with Michael about hearing about a woman who was fighting and um, her own diagnosis and all that stuff was, I think it was a way for him to prove that he can still do this, that he can still have some strength. And it's not, you know, yes, he does that little like teenage showing off with, you know, no hands when he ends up falling and then hurting his arm and all that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of it was just really trying to um, show that he can survive, that he's a survivor and that he will make it. I think that's a big reason of that. And and I criticize Michael and Brian's relationship. Like I've said, I do not like their friendship. I think it's supremely unhealthy. However, I love their friendship in this, in the Liberty Ride episodes. I love their friendship when I think Brian is great dealing with Michael and Ben getting married. I think he's absolutely amazing in that. I think he's very accepting of that. And Michael staying with Brian and helping him to the end is not unhealthy. It's not codependent. That is real friendship right there. That is like two brothers together kind of thing. That is family. And that's why even though I have a real issue with their relationship overall, I think those scenes are so important and so beautiful because it's the first time you see where there's not this underlying toxicity there, not this underlying, 
I'm relying on you. You're relying on me. I need you to survive kind of thing. I mean, yes, he needs, he's relying on him for help, but this is different. This is more, I am going to be there and I'm going to support you through this. And I understand why you're doing it and I'm not going to leave you alone. And it's very, very crucial. And I, I love it. And I love when they finally cross and it's snowing and it's dark out and everybody else has left except for, you know, Ben and Debbie and Justin. And, and I love that Debbie tells Justin, no, 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 let, let Brian finish on his own. You have to let him do this on his own. And I love that. Um, and I also just quickly want to point out because I think it's a hilarious scene when, because <laughs> I love all the Ted and Brian scenes in season four and season five, but when Brian is really sick and he, you know, this, I was actually, this is in the same episode, episode nine and Ted comes in. He's like, Oh my God, you look like crap. What's wrong? He's like, it's the big one. And Ted's like, cocaine. He's like, no bigger. And he's like, crystal. He's like, not bigger. He's like, caffeine. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> the way Scott says that line. <laughs> caffeine. <laughs> I love that. And I love that Ted is one of the only people that knows that he has cancer too. I think there's something special there. I just, I like that they explore their relationship and, you know, I love, I also love uh, Brian's line to Ted when Ted is out of rehab and they're in the diner and everybody's left and, you know, and Brian's just like, you know, you've reached the bottom, you reach reached the bottom, you know, and Ted's like, man, no one gives a pep talk like you. And then Brian's saying, but there's, you know, the bright side, there's only one way to go. That's, and he's holding a coffee cup and just like, it's like rhymes with, and he's like up. I mean, say what you will about Brian, but he has some of the best flipping lines in this whole show. And it was so hilarious. He delivers them so, so well, like way back in season two. Sorry. I just want to call this one out again. Cause I love this line and Brian is wasted. And this is when um, Debbie starts dating Horvath or looking at Horvath and, and um, they're in the Jeep and Ted is there, Ted and, and Michael are in the front and <laughs> Brian's in the back and the cops are coming to pull him over. And Ted's like, you don't have anything on you, do you, Brian? And Brian's like, well, I've got like a kilo of hair or something like that. It's like, just stop joking around. This isn't time to joke around. He's like, who's kidding you? around and it's just the way the line is delivered the way gail gail harold does that is so great so i just want to give a shout out to some of the comedic moments of ryan because he has a lot of those so when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so let's move on to the final season, season five. And I cannot wait, I just want to say as an aside, to hear Ken's reaction to a certain line being said by Mr. Brian Sex on Legs Guinea. I cannot wait to hear that reaction. Uh, but this uh, Justin and uh, Brian break up, of course, and Michael has moved out to the suburbs with Ben and... Brian blames Michael for Justin breaking up with him and all this stuff. And they have a big blowout. They have a big falling out. Uh, and then, of course, um, this is also the season that Brian purchases Babylon. 
and he ends up allowing it for the prop eight for the um, counter, um, the, you know, the, what, what am I trying to say? Ah, the event to try, what was it? I said the wrong thing, didn't I? Prop six at six? 14. 14. That's right. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Because there is actually that, there was actually a, yes, sorry. That's what it's supposed to be about. <laughs> anyway, so they're having the big event to raise money and Cindy Lopper's performing and Brian is leaving to go to Australian Mardi Gras. And then there is a bombing at Babylon and Brian turns around, rushes back because they announce it within two seconds on the radio, which yes, that's, I was listening to another podcast that was talking about that episode and critiquing that. And yes, it's true. You wouldn't know right that quick, but whatever. It's just, they have to do it for storyline purposes. And Michael is near, is really severely injured. Uh, but this also leads to Brian telling Justin that he loves him, saying, I love you um, more than once. And that's the, the episode's titled, I love you. <laughs> he says that at the end of it. And then the next episode, he proposes to Justin a couple of times, really, and buys him the country manor. He says, yes, they are engaged. They're planning their wedding um, as Debbie says, Brian must have knocked up sunshine. So then they decide because Brian won't even sleep with anyone else. And he's doing this like wanting to cuddle. And Justin's like, you're changing too much. And Justin's getting this opportunity in New York. And so they both decide they can't, that it's not the right time. They shouldn't be together. They break up. But Brian hangs on to the rings. And then the last scene is Brian going to Babylon that is still burnt out at this time with um with michael and them having a dance and then it ends with just brian all alone on the on the elevated platform thing dancing so i know that's a lot there but danelle what are your overall thoughts on brian in season five and how it ends too with him there's always so much in these seasons um and there's so much to talk about my gosh um so the fallout with Michael, you know, we talked about the toxicity of the relationship. And I think this is one of the points where it kind of comes to a head a little bit. And I think we see some growth on their part. I think we see that cord, that dependency break a little bit. And it was necessary. It was needed. Because I think underneath it all, they do love each other very much. And they have this beautiful friendship on one level. But as you've talked about, there's a toxicity to it. There's Michael's underlying love, you know, desperation to be loved by Brian and have it be more than friendship. And there's also Brian's need for that admiration and that need to have Michael always be dependent on him, you know? And I think his love for Justin and their relationship. And as Brian kind of grows, you know, going through the cancer scare and all the things that Brian goes through. And again, with Michael being in love, you know, with Ben and, and their relationship growing, I think it's, it's kind of, it was overdue, you know, it was time for something to happen. And I think it takes, took something dramatic, like their, you know, huge falling out to, sever that tie and for them to come back together as true friends, you know, like more in a true way. And I think, you know, at the end of the Liberty ride when Michael's really there for him, but it, like you said, it's kind of the toxicity isn't as there anymore. And I think going into season five with the, the falling out and everything and the breakup, I think that's where we see that severed dependency 
Um, and then with Justin, oh, the proposal and all of that. And, you know, you, I, I did. I wanted to see them happily ever after kind of thing. But at the same time, you kind of see Justin really starting to want to kind of pursue his life stream and, and not be tied down. And you that's where the age difference really starts to come into play. You know, Brian's finally at the point where he wants to settle down. He's found that person. And um, it's heartbreaking to see Justin go. But at the same time, you know, it is, we know it's the right thing. And the, the final scene, oh, the final scene. I love that it is Michael and Brian there together in their friendship. And, you know, and then, of course, um, Brian at the end by himself. And again, I think that's that's one of the reasons why he comes up. And you talked about this in the other episodes. You know, Brian always comes up as such a central character. And I think the fact that it kind of centered on him at the very end was very telling, you know, and a testament to the writing and the acting and everything else. And just what a powerful character Brian really is and a force of nature, you know, because when you go back and look at the show, he really kind of is a glue that holds that group together. You know, he's constantly behind the scenes. He helps Teddy. He he helps um, Emmett. <laughs> he takes care of Michael. You know, he takes care of Justin. He he does a lot of things that he doesn't get credit for in a lot of ways, you know, because his, of his abrasive behavior sometimes. So I, I think he is a bit of the glue so to speak, throughout the series. So, And I'll always love him. He's one of my favorite characters, too. I, I'm definitely with you there, Aaron. He's one of those characters that I just fell in love with when I saw the show. So I immediately... And, I mean, good Lord, the man is beautiful. But... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he is uh, absolutely... He's beautiful. He And yeah. he has aged beautifully i mean he is yeah. gorgeous now i mean there's and the pictures of him with like glasses i have a thing about guys with glasses on and there was pictures of him with glasses and he's got a beard and mustache and stuff and he's just very yeah, yeah. he's he's a very good looking man <laughs> yes he is and i think it's and 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 it's not just his physical looks but i think like no. one of the things i love about brian it's all those things that he doesn't have to be praised for that he does you know, there's still this underlying goodness to him, even though he can be abrasive. And I think maybe because I know a couple of people that are kind of like that in real life, maybe. Um, and I, I love and understand them for who they are, you know. And again, I think it's just that that acceptance um, of loving somebody conditionally, unconditionally for who they are. And I think with Brian, he's just there is this underlying good side to him that really doesn't start to come out for a while, right? We don't see it fully realized until towards the end. And then you really start to, if you start to think about it and all the things, even going back to season one, the little things, but going back through the whole series, you really see that he is, um, he has such a heart um, and he is such a deep, thoughtful, um, caring person um, that he just doesn't know how to express it. He, he finally learns. He finally starts to learn. And when he says, I love you, that just about broke me. I was like, oh, <laughs> because it was so hard for him to say, you know, it was so hard for his, for him to say at that moment. Um, and knowing, knowing that it was going to be pretty much the end, you know, and that um, Justin was going to go on and to live his life. And, and again, I think not only was Brian, a platform for Justin to really find himself. I think Justin was a platform for Brian 
to truly kind of go through some healing and find himself, you know, and you never know, maybe thinking ahead, maybe Brian finds somebody and is able to find that relationship and have a healthy, stable relationship that he wants, that he's now wanting. And maybe Justin has fun in New York for a few years and does the same thing. You never know. So I'd be curious. I know that both the, the actors are especially, um, I think Ishelle, you've talked about it. Randy has said that, you know, he didn't want Brian and, and um, Justin together, but I'd be curious what their thoughts are on, on where they end up you know, like what their lives look like. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to see another, like, where are they, where are they now kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it would be fun. So Ishelle, I know you haven't gotten through all of this, so you don't really don't have much to say, but. <laughs> but I can always come up with something. Oh, don't you ever doubt me. I am full of words. <laughs> Uh, To start out, I'll say that I looked it up. It is the Irish exit. That is when you leave a party without saying goodbye, which is actually very fitting for what I was trying to say with with Brian in those conversations. But anyway, that was season four. We're not there anymore. We're in season five. So (laughs) um, uh, season five has a lot going on. And um, just from the beginning, Brian is so excited about going out to see Justin out in Hollywood and he's going to surprise him and he's done all this planning for this trip and it's going to be great. And then Justin's like, "Mm, gotta stay longer. And it all kind of falls apart. And Brian goes back to this. Oh, well, he doesn't care about me anyway. This relationship is over sort of thing. And then Justin does come back. And so he's just like immediately kind of all over the place because he makes some decisions in his life after that, this relationship is over he's forgotten about me. He makes some decisions right there in his life. Like he buys Babylon. He, he might would have done that anyway, but in a little kind of, that was some boyfriend replacement therapy in some ways for him. <laughs> now true. There are other practical reasons why he does it, but I think that is somewhere in the equation. Um, but then also with that, he is doubling down on this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is how I think you should do. You should live your life as a gay man or whatever. And um, so he's got a lot of broad statements that, and bold statements that he's making. At the same time, Michael is making his own statements and doing his own Michael thing. And that's creating a lot of tension in their friendship. And we are just now at the fight that they have um, in five, well, we're getting to it in 507. And man, that is intense. And there are some words exchanged there. Um, and, but just to see kind of a breakdown of that of that friendship in some ways is a pretty tough thing so he's got that going on and that is of course right after he's been having all this stuff going on with Justin and so he's just in a weird spot I feel like the whole world around Brian is changing and he's like what does this mean for me I don't want it to mean anything for me and he's going back to that fear of change and that avoiding change thing and that's I think where we see him in the first part of of season five but then events happen and like we all do when something huge and traumatic happens in life, we start making these, these decisions and we start kind of reaching out to grab onto things. And some of the things we grab onto are right. And some of them, it's the right idea, but not quite the right, (laughs) the right, you know, right, right thing. And, and then we do get to the episode where he says, I love you. And it's beautiful to hear the words, even though I believe that he has felt that for a long time, Justin has known that for a long time, but it's so important for Brian to say those words because that was kind of like the last little 
crumbles of a wall that were still in the way. And so he finally knocks those down by saying those three words. And then everything that come out comes after that. And like Aaron said, I haven't seen all of this. So some of it, so I won't go into too much detail. Um, but I think that we should not be surprised by Brian making a grand gesture, definitely not following some kind of trauma and not after him saying, and he's trying out something new. He's saying, this is what I want in life. And so he's trying something new. And so of course he's going to be a little clunky or whatever with that, because this is a new thing for him. He's taking some new and different steps. And with everything that comes after that, I think that what they decide is that marriage is not right for them at the time. The way that this show is defining marriage, this show is giving us two very of a very narrow look at marriage. And I think that's on purpose in order to prove its point. And I think that they decide that marriage is not right for them in this way at this time. And I've got some other thoughts on that. And I know that the writers have done a lot of interviews about um, the last scene with Michael and Brian at the club and just a lot of other stuff that goes on in those last couple of episodes. They've talked about that. And I've been fortunate enough to talk to them about a lot of that. But the thing is, I need to rewatch those episodes and make sure that I'm not just putting my stuff in there, but I actually... I give my opinions and I don't shy away from them, but I like to back them up by what I see on screen, what I read in the scripts, what I talk to the writers about. So I'm going to, when Aaron and I do the, the Brian Kenny 5.0 episode, uh, the master's level class uh, for Brian <laughs> Kenny, when we, I will have seen the episodes at that point. And so we'll, we'll come back to some of this discussion, but I think that he goes on a whole whirlwind journey in, in season five and it's a lot for him. And, that I can't watch that last scene of him because it'll make me cry. (laughs) But not because it's sad, because I don't, I interpret it in a way that is not sad, but just because it's like the final shot of of him. So I I can't really watch that right now. So I don't know what's going to happen when Ken and I get to that episode. (laughs) I know I'm going to have to. (laughs) So I don't know what's going to happen there, but um. Yeah, so this is, I guess, a preview of some of my season five thoughts. Um, I just got to keep watching to get there. But I love hearing what you guys have to say. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I, you know, and I, I think that's cool that, you know, having that access to the writers and seeing where they were. And I do always think that, you know, art, people can interpret interpret art different ways, too. And even for sure. writers I want- having different... Oh, no, I know. I'm just putting that out there for yeah. myself and for the fact that I know a lot of people have different feelings on that that end scene. To me, it's heartbreaking. I find it incredibly sad for Brian, honestly. I think it's very... I, I like the way the show ends, but I do find it very heartbreaking. I have very different thoughts, though, on the, the engagement and that whole thing, of course. Not that I disagree with it. I just had different, different thoughts. So with the breakup, you know, and, and I didn't say much of this on the the Michael episode, but the whole Michael and Brian fight, honestly, I, I was really proud of Michael in that fight. I have to say, because I think usually Michael backs down to Brian and he doesn't, he's like, you know, we all know this. We all know who the hell you are. We all know I didn't infect Justin. Justin was always like this. Justin has been like this since episode one in season one. So Brian, and I don't think Brian is shocked by this. I think Brian is scared. He doesn't want to lose Justin and he loves Justin. And so he's going to lash out at 
outside forces and he feels Michael is the safest one because Michael has never stood up to him before like this. And then for Michael to stand up to him is pretty shocking for Brian. And so that scene, I actually am pretty on Brian, on Brian, on Michael's side in that scene in a lot of respects, because, you know, that's really rude to show up like that. I mean, drunk, you know, he's drunk and all that stuff, but you know, there's the boundaries and crossing boundaries there. And I was proud of Michael for standing up for himself and for standing up to Brian. I mean, because it's hard to do that sometimes with Brian. And I think, you know, I don't think Brian knows if he can be at that place yet. Be, I think he is somewhere deep down, but he hasn't realized that yet, that he's in a place where he could commit himself to somebody. And the idea of it scares him because he feels he's going to lose them if that happens. And then I think, you know, there's little hints throughout this season that Brian wants more with Justin. I mean, there's little scenes. They have a scene after they break up and he sees Justin out hanging flyers and he kind of, you know, or they, you know, they talk and they had this little interaction and then it ends with them playing a version of you are my sunshine over the credits and stuff. But it's very much Brian is dealing with the fact that he really didn't want to break up with Justin. It was just, he couldn't at that moment give Justin what Justin wanted. And Justin was like, well, then we can't keep going because we're not going to grow. And if we're not going to go to the place where I need to go or where you want to go, I'm not going to force you to do something you don't want to do and vice versa. That's a lot of what they deal with throughout this. Um, I remember when this first aired, I go back to this a lot because of the fact that, you know, you get reactions and um, people really thought with the I love you, some people didn't like how the I love you was put in after a trauma because they're like, well, then Brian doesn't mean it. He's just saying it because they were in a trauma event. But I, don't, I just totally disagree. I think it makes sense that he would do it then. And yes, there is a little bit of that pushing to that. But he's not doing it out of a sense of desperation. He's doing it out of holy crap, if I don't actually say this, there could be a moment in time where I can't say it and where he's never going to hear this. And so I want to say this. And he means every word of that. And he's felt that, like Michelle said, for a long time. Brian has felt this for a long time. He just finally was like, okay, I have to say it. If I don't say it, I could lose him. And so it's very genuine. And Justin knows he genuinely means it. But Justin also knows who Brian is, and so he's not ready yet to take him back. And he, and when Brian talks about marriage, he's like, what are you talking about? You are so against marriage. This is not you at all. And I think that's very true. You know, I'm glad that Justin didn't instantly say, yes, I'll marry you. Yes, let's get back together. I think that's more realistic for where the, the point they are in their relationship and in life. And I know people have the biggest issue with the proposal and the actual proposal when they actually get engaged and with him buying the country manner of his dreams and giving up the loft and all of that stuff. And yes, while I think I am of the belief that Brian should not be giving up this stuff if he doesn't want to for Justin, because it's not, that's not love in my opinion. However, I don't think he's doing that because he doesn't want to. I truly believe, and I will always believe this. I don't think Brian necessarily wants to settle down with anybody else, but I think he wanted to settle down with Justin. I think he wanted to marry Justin. I don't think Brian wants to marry anybody else. I just don't. I just think that was where he was with Justin. 
Um, you know, if the show had continued, maybe he would have met someone else, but I don't see that for Brian. I think it was just, this is who he loved. This was his person. And he was like, yes, I want to spend my life with you. But in his mind, because he's stuck on what the heteronormative is for marriage, he thinks you get married, you don't do anything else. You just, you stay married. And I don't even think Justin thought that was going to happen. I mean, Justin's like, yeah, you can sleep with the stripper. He doesn't care. And so then when Brian turns that down, that for Justin is like this red flag. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't give up everything you are to be with me. We can be together and you can still be Brian and we can get married and we can have that life and you can still be Brian. And I don't think Brian was at that place yet. And I think that's why it didn't work and why they broke up. But their breakup at their engagement is not at all unhealthy. It's not done at all where they are out of, they've fallen out of love. It's just, they're both realizing there are certain things they can't give up for the other person. And if they do give them up, they would end up divorced in about a month because they would have so much, if not a month really soon, because they would have so much resentment for each other. And so their love would turn into resentment and you know, if Justin had given up this opportunity in New York for Brian, he would have ended up resenting Brian. And if Brian, you know, was trying to be monogamous, it wouldn't have worked for Brian. And so I think that's what that was about is they didn't want the other one to forgo who they were, their core central being. And that's pure love. That to me, their breakup there is the purest expression of their love the show has ever done, which People may disagree with that, but I think that's a real expression of love there. And it's heartbreaking and it's sad as someone who ships them together. But that's when you see they truly love each other and they're on the same page for once, really. You know, they're at the same spot, same page. And the final scene to me is very heartbreaking because it's Brian all alone and everybody's moving on with their life and you see everybody else. I mean, it starts with him and Michael, but then Michael leaves and goes to Ben and you see Emmett with the guy from Hazelhurst and you see Ted with Blake and there's Brian alone above everybody else, but all alone. And to me, it's just heartbreaking. It's just, to me, it's like, it just, it makes me sad. And you know, even though I love this finale, it still makes me sad a little bit that he's left all alone there. But it also solidifies that this is the central character that we've been following this whole time. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, well, so are my panelists between this time? Do you have any, sorry, do you have anything for the six degrees of Finwit Rock? Sorry. <laughs> I got half a step this time. <laughs> Even less, even less and less. What was the half a step? I'm just curious. <laughs> well, I was, he was, um, I was like, oh, Eva Longoria, because I've not seen him in anything else. I know he's in other things, but I have intentionally not watched him in anything else until I was done with this show. So, um, but I just knew off the top of my head that he was, I, I think that's Eva Longoria in Desperate House. I never watched it, but <laughs> I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, I, I only watched a couple episodes. So I only got to her, so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm wondering where he would go to get to. I don't even know. I don't even know anything else that she has done. So <laughs> yeah, I got half a step. So and Danelle, I'm assuming you. Did. Yeah, okay. Well, on these ones, it's just been me for this whole time. I'm very disappointed. I'm just kidding. I'm not disappointed. I told everybody it was. 
It is not something you have to do. Um, Ishelle did do it on our happy endings episode. <laughs> she used a personal connection. So that's even better. So I used Deadwood. So uh, Gail Harold was in Deadwood playing Wyatt Earp. I have not seen Deadwood, but we are covering Deadwood later this year, by the way. We're doing two Timothy Oliphant shows. We're doing this and Justified. So I love Timothy Oliphant. And Timothy Oliphant was in this movie, this small independent movie called The Safety of Objects with Christian Stewart, who was in a video with Finn called If You Really Love Nothing by Interpol. I have not seen this video. And the only reason I know of this connection is because on our last month, Six Degrees of Finn audience edition, someone submitted this as a connection for um, Schitt's Creek because Kristen Stewart was in Happiest Season with, um, oh my God, how am I forgetting his name? You know, holy crap, that is so flippant annoying. Plays David. Daniel Levy. It's Levin. Tom Levy. Daniel yeah. Levin. <laughs> I was like, and I know the last name, name but I, I haven't seen Shit's Creek yet. <laughs> watch Shit's Creek, you show. I know. Oh I, I have so much TV to watch. <laughs> I know, but I'm adding that to your list. So, any, not like I don't have like a list like 10 miles long. Uh, but yes, yeah, so that's that's the Finn connection. So I'm glad that somebody helped me with that one because I never would have known that. I don't, I'm not the biggest Finn Whitrock fan out there, apparently. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, if you want to play the audience version, remember, you can use any of these Queer as Folk ones to get at least one of these. It's free to enter. It's fun. We've got four. The four things we've got for this month are Queer as Folk, Orange is the New Black, Moonlight the Movie, and Brokeback Mountain. And once again, hint, one of these movies, Finn is like one connection away. Um, I will give you another hint. You know how a lot of times in movies you have um, the token black character? Finn is the token white character. <laughs> one of the token white characters in this one person, this one director's other movie. That's a big hint there, everybody. <laughs> it's a great movie, too. So <laughs> I just love that, though. Token white character. We need more token white guys. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay, well, let's go ahead and close out. And my two lovely panelists can tell everybody where they can be found. Danelle. You can find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter as Draven Pearl. Awesome. Thank you. And Ishelle, where can they find the Queer's Folk Podcast Liberty Diner Dish? You can find it on um, all of your major streaming platforms. Uh, if you don't, let me know and then we'll get it added there. Uh, you can find our social media handles. We are um, at Liberty Diner Dish, except on Twitter, we are at Diner Dish. And I just want to say, Aaron, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing to get shows about representation and diversity and inclusivity out there this summer. I think that's so important. And I just think about all of the doors that Queer's Folk opened, you know, and all these shows that come after. I know there are a few shows before it, but really this show was doing something very unique in its time. And so I'm ever grateful to the showrunners, the writers, the cast, the crew, everyone who took part in, in this show, because there is so much more that has come after it. Even L word, they give credit to this show um, for paving the way and opening a door. So I'm glad that you decided to, that you keep deciding to revisit this show and that you let me come on today, even though my family was doing the most in the background. So <laughs> 
<laughs> so, guys, Erin is a great editor. And so anything that she can't take out from me is because it was my family having a party, I guess. I don't, I don't even, I wasn't invited to it. So I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Ishelle. And I, you know, I try to do that with this podcast. That's one of my goals with this podcast is to highlight a lot of that and, and, um, you know, it's, it's one of my goals down the line. It's, you know, we need more of that. We need less just white men being podcasters. I know a lot of great white podcasters, white male podcasters, but, you know, <laughs> we need a lot more of that too. We need a lot different voices in the podcasting community as well. So try and support that. So thank you. And yes, um, you know, this is my all-time favorite show and I'm so happy that, all these episodes are always popular because then I have an excuse to constantly revisit it. So I'm very happy about that. And if you want to hear me talk about Brian more and more in depth, go listen to Liberty Diner Dish. I'm sure you already have, but if you don't already, go listen to Liberty Diner Dish and you can hear me really, really take deep dives into Brian. So thank you again for always having me on there too. And thank you so much. I've said this a couple of times on here before, but Ishelle is the first one who reached out to me. And it was the funniest thing because I had been listening to her podcast and saying, I've got to reach out to this podcast. We've got to do a crossover. And she happened to email me first. So I always want to mention that. So thank you for emailing me because <laughs> you're awesome. And I'm glad we could have you on. And yeah, well, Sunday. thank you for thank you for responding to my <laughs> to my email. She's gonna, I was thinking she's gonna be like, who is this fool? <laughs> no, but thank no. you. You're welcome. Yeah, seriously, other podcasters, I love doing crossovers because then I don't have to edit. <laughs> I just get to do the fun part. <laughs> so that's what I love. Uh, but so thank you. And, and hopefully Ken will be on here again. Hopefully I haven't permanently cursed him. <laughs> but hopefully. Uh, but this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, no, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on this show, Gail Harold, I it will take a lot of meditation, <laughs> but I would love to have you on here so much. So if you would, I'm a very good interviewer. I really, you know, I, I have a hard time giving myself compliments, but I will give my comp myself compliments on my interview skills because I'm really good at it. I take it seriously. I will do my research. I respect the artist. I don't, I want to talk just about your craft, nothing else. That's all I care about. So, and that goes to any creator out there. I've had authors tell me I am the best interview they have ever done. And that is a humongous compliment. And these are people that have been in the industry for a long time. So I take it seriously. So if you would like to come on, I love doing interviews so much. So reach out to us via the contact us button on our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Or you can email us at it's a fandomthingpod at gmail.com. And next week, we are continuing our Pride Month celebration with, we are going to first be looking at the, speaking of the L word, the L word generation Q. And that's going to be just Erin, A, and I. Hopefully, she'll have internet. <laughs> that's actually going to be a live stream 
And since this is dropping Friday, it's going to be Sunday, Sunday afternoon at noon. So come grab some lunch and watch us talk about that. I'm watching the show currently and I like it a lot more than the L word. So spoiler there, I actually am really liking this one a lot. So we're going to talk about that. And then my podcast brain twin, Jen from my streaming bubble will be joining me to discuss John Waters. I love John Waters so dang much. And so many people on my panelists groups don't, don't like John Waters. We're doing our cult movies episode. Nobody else liked John Waters. But then I found Jen and Jen had me on her podcast, my streaming bubble. So go listen to that first talking about John Waters. I've also been on there talking about Finn Whitrock for two hours. That was so dang fun. And then I also was on there talking about Psycho Beach Party. So go <laughs> listen to those episodes. I'm going to be on there a couple more times this year too. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.